Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Well, hello, boys and girls, and welcome to another and a, I think, very special episode of FCS Speculators, a betting podcast. It is week nine of the pod. It is week 12 of the uh, Big Sky Conference regular season, which is also the final weekend of the regular season. Absolutely huge, monstrous uh, matchups all over the place in the nation of the FCS level, but especially in the Big Sky Conference. Three teams tied atop the Big Sky Conference at six and one, and two more at five and two. You have a potential, potential for a five-way tie for the Big Sky Conference Championship. How crazy is that? Thank you very much for the unbalanced uh, schedule. Nonetheless, Colton Nuanas will join us here in just a moment. David Graff as well, our esteemed producer, uh, will go through how we did last week and some of the FBS stuff. A couple of guests for you today. So, per usual, we got a great one for you. But we want to start today going through the top 10, the new Stats FCS top 10 in the nation, how they fared last week, and who they've got coming up this week. So, Let's get started, shall we? North Dakota State, shocker, number one in the nation. They are 11-0. They beat South Dakota 49-14. They covered a four-touchdown spread. The game did go over. They are a 20-point favorite at Southern Illinois. Sam Herter, good friend from Hero Sports, going to join us a little later on the podcast to talk about that matchup between NDSU and the Salukis of Southern Illinois. James Madison, uh, well, convincing in their victory over Richmond, 48-6, to easily covered that game. They are a 27-point road favorite at, well, Rhode Island. How about that? So 10-1 uh, and one, uh, is James Madison right now. Montana. They are the number three team in the nation. They hammered Weber State. In fact, 35-16, which was the final, doesn't even begin to say what happened in this game. It was 35-3 at the end of the third quarter, and then a bunch of backups came in. Weber State scored a couple late touchdowns. Nonetheless, as far as the spread goes, they were a a four-and-a-half-point favorite versus Weber State. They covered that easily. They are on the road in the Brawl of the Wild at Montana State. They're a five-point favorite, the Montana Grizzlies are, 
at Montana State this Saturday. Plenty more to come on that game. Sacramento State, they beat Idaho 31-7, the return of Kevin Thompson for Sacramento State, and they uh, beat Idaho, who's been very good at home. Uh, They were not good at home on Saturday. And look, Sacramento State has pretty much housed just about everybody they've played when they've been uh, all hands on decks, especially Kevin Thompson. Uh, They cover that game. They were a 10-point favorite. They cover it easily. They are uh, at home finishing their schedule in another rivalry game or a rivalry game against UC Davis. They're a nine and a half point favorite against Davis. South Dakota State, they jump from eight to number five as they cruise against Northern Iowa, 38-7, a huge, huge uh, matchup in the Missouri Valley last week. They were a six-point favorite. They win by 30 30- 31 points, big time, uh, for South Dakota State, reasserting themselves as one of the elite programs in the country over formerly ranked number four UNI. They, uh, that being South Dakota State, is a 13-point favorite this week at South Dakota. Weber State, uh, they were decimated at Montana. They were handled by the Grizzlies, but also suffered several injuries. Rashid Shahid went out in the first quarter of this game, was on crutches thereafter, uh, starting running back, starting wide receiver, both unavailable for most of this game for Jay Hill's club. Uh, they lose to Montana. They drop, though, only three spots to number six in the nation, and they are a massive favorite against a, well, just a completely imploded Idaho State team right now. Weber State, a 20-and-a-half-point favorite uh, against Idaho State. Illinois State, they had a big win uh, last week. They uh, got, the, got the W 17-12. to They did not cover 22-and-a-half. Didn't look great doing it, but they did get the win. They are at Youngstown State, a 3-and-a-half-point favorite as are the Redbirds. Uh, on the road at Youngstown State. Montana State gets up to number eight in this week's poll. They were a 27-17 winner at UC Davis. They were losing uh, 17-13, I think it was, in this game. Scored the last two touchdowns of the game and end up going on to uh, to win. They they scored 14 in the fourth quarter, all unanswered. They didn't allow UC Davis a first down in the last 17 minutes and change of that football game. Tremendous defensive performance out of the Bobcats. They uh, they move on to seven and three. Uh, in uh, uh, in fact, they are eight and three. Excuse me. Uh, overall, now on the season, uh, they are six and four against the spread as Montana State. But they are squarely in in the postseason uh, in the uh, playoff picture. They of course host Montana in the Cat Grizz game again, a five point underdog this week at home against the Grizzlies. Northern Iowa. They were at four. They dropped to nine after being dismantled by South Dakota State. Uh, they did not cover to say uh, anything of coming close to winning. They were a six point dog. They lose by thirty one. They get Western Illinois this week, a get right game for UNA. They are UNI. They are a twenty three point favorite. And finally, Villanova. Villanova, the Wildcats. A 35-7 winner versus Long Island. They did not cover the 36-and-a-half-point spread. Big spread there, but they got a convincing win nonetheless. And they have Delaware this week. They're a 9-and-a-half-point favorite over Delaware. Teams that fell out of the top 10, Furman, they were a pick against Wofford. They lost 24-7, got spanked by Wofford. So Furman, uh, they scored uh, with a 63-yard touchdown run early. Didn't score again. That was it. That was all. And uh, Wofford wins the SOCON. Congratulations to Wofford on that. And Furman no longer in the top 10. So there you go. There's your top 10 in the nation at the FCS level. Uh, Again, according to the stats FCS poll, we turn now to our beloved and dear friend, David Graff, the producer of this here show, to tell us how we did last week against Spread. Hello, David. How's it going, Ryan? Grand. Excited to hear how I did last week. You know, I 
I think I had one week about three weeks ago where I went one for the week. I mean, it was awful. And then the next weekend, maybe three. But I brought it out of the fire a little bit last week, or two weeks ago. It was much better. So I'm hoping last week the trend continues. Well, there's this thing called the law of averages. Oh, boy. It's the idea that you're always going to meet in the middle, basically get 50% right. Yes. And uh, that seemed to be the trend last week for you and Coulter after a few hot, hot weeks. Brutal week last week. Really? Brutal. Get out of here. Brutal. I don't believe it. Brutal. Okay. But, uh, let's go down game by game. You guys were on North Dakota, minus 16. They were up 45-21 in the fourth quarter and won 45-38. Brutal loss. Tough. Tough deal. There's this thing called the hook, and it got you for Idaho State, BYU. BYU minus 32 and a half. It won by 32. Won 42 to 10. Yeah, I saw that. What a deal. The uh, Cougars couldn't get that extra one point somewhere. Go for two or something, you know? Know the number and get to it. The blasted hook. It makes a difference. Yeah. Then you guys were both on Northern Arizona, minus three and a half on the road at what Coulter claims is the worst team he's ever seen in the big sky. And that team won the football game straight up. They won 31-30. That being Southern Utah, boys and girls, if you're following along at home. That's correct. Then this is where you get off the schneid. Okay. You were you were on Sac State, didn't care who the quarterback was, didn't care that they were at Idaho where they seemingly know how to play football well. Minus nine and a half. Sac State won thirty one seven. Kevin Thompson triumphant in his return. Outstanding. Thank you, KT. Appreciate you. Then now, did Coulter was he on Idaho? Coulter was on. Oh, that makes me feel so good. So I got a dub, and Coulter's out. Yeah. So to this point, you're one and three. Coulter's own four. Mm, mm, mm. Then you guys were both on Eastern Washington minus eleven. Bad, bad deal. Eastern Washington wins forty two forty one in a barn burner against Cal Poly. I mean, Cal Poly has won one conference game. They're the only Big Sky Conference team out of thirteen. That has only one conference win. Everybody else has at least two. And yet Eastern Washington only able to win that thing by a single point and didn't come close to covering that spread. I mean, they were on the road. I mean, sure. For whatever that's worth. Yeah, okay. It is California. Clearly, it didn't matter to me. I was all over the Washington to California. Couldn't make a stop, man. I mean, 44, 43 points should be plenty, but, you know, that triple option's tough to go against sometimes, and Cal Poly racked it up against the Eagles. Then this is where you guys got your wins. Uh, Well, Coulter's only two wins. He was on the schools from Montana. Montana State was a three-point underdog at UC Davis. Uh, They closed round four. Didn't matter. They won 27-17. Yeah, I was was surprised at that number, uh, that that – that Montana State, being a top 10 team in the nation, you know, was an underdog in that game. I understand UC Davis has some respect. They're playing at home, but, I, you know, pick them at least, seems to me. I was surprised they were a dog there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. It was probably Mayer swinging the, the spread and the fact mm. that Montana State doesn't have a quarterback. Didn't matter. Didn't matter, though. No. Didn't matter. Didn't. Uh, their best quarterback plays defense, but, you know. Um, then we have, then we have Montana at home versus Weber State. They were minus four, minus four and a half when you guys 
talked about them, but they're around four and five, depending upon where you got them at. Montana, huge win, 35-16. Yeah. I got to give Coulter credit on this one, too, because both uh, last week and then later on our show and the pregame show that we do, uh, he said that he felt strongly that Montana was just going to roll Weber State, and that's exactly what they did. I had on the podcast Montana uh, covering the spread, but I, I thought that it was I, – I, I didn't know what was going to happen. I thought it was going to be a very good game. Weber State does get a couple guys hurt, but also they got a couple guys hurt because Montana came – with the hammer in that football game. Uh, so the Grizzlies, uh, 35-16 winners, uh, covering easily in that game and getting Coulter and I a, a much-needed dub. Yeah, so Coulter finished the week 2-5. and five. Ryan was 3-4. and four. So not horrible, but certainly not lighting the world on fire. Yeah, 3-4. and four. I'll take 3-4, and four, I guess, you know better than two and five i don't really care about winning money i just care about beating coulter like if i on the season end minus 10 grand but he ends up minus 11 grand i'll consider it a successful year that okay (laughs) yeah because i'm rich man i don't care about money brian is super rich yes i am looks like he has he lost a razor yeah he Picked up his clothes. I'm about to be on TV too, so I gotta go. I gotta yeah. figure something out here. You Who know. Knows? All right. Then in the biggest games around the country, our boy Jim Nelson was all over Northern Iowa plus six. Northern Iowa was only down seven nothing at halftime. They lost thirty eight seven. I mean, they got destroyed. They got stomped. A true freshman came in at South Dakota State. I don't even know where they got this kid. And they mean, I thought they played everybody that had thrown a pass before in their Hey, we all know the Jackrabbits don't rebuild, they reload, David Graff. That's what they did. That's what they did, and they covered minus six. Ryan was on Northern Iowa as well. That's I was steered wrong by our expert. That's brutal, brutal. Anyways, then uh, in the other ranked matchup of around the country, number nine, Furman, traveled to Wofford, as Ryan touched on earlier. and Lost! The Dins lost. They went down. The The Terriers took it to them. Took it to them. Ryan was on plus one. So one and one there. Good. One and one there. Then at the FBS level where they play bowl games. uh, Which matter. They do matter. Ryan was on number 10, Oklahoma, minus 10 at Baylor. Oklahoma pulled out a thriller 34-31 victory. But they didn't cover the spread, which you could not watch in this city of or in the state of Montana. I watched it on ABC and SWX. I don't know about they were that. flipping them back and forth. Well, they had some issues with their feed, for, which we'll touch on later in the show. Believe me, on the Montana State game. But yeah, you could watch. We did watch the beginning of that Baylor game. But then it went away. It was flipping on SWX and ABC. Mm-hmm. I promise. Mm-hmm. On Spectrum, mm-hmm. at least. Mm-hmm. I go with Spectrum. When I moved here, Ryan recommended Spectrum. He doesn't even have Spectrum. No, I don't. I have Dish. I watched the whole game almost. All right. Then Georgia won 21 14. They were a two and a half point favorite at Auburn. And I like then, the Bulldogs in that spot. Yeah, Ryan was on Georgia. Uh, then, despite, despite his absolute hatred, for the University of Oregon and Oregon as a whole, as yeah, a state. All of, 
No, I don't hate Oregon State. Now, let me be clear to my friends. Trees, anything. I, I, I really like the state of Oregon. I love the city of Portland. I love the coast. I love the high desert. It's beautiful. Oregon's great. University of Oregon, no. No. Okay, well, the ducks and the colors green and yellow mm. just offend Ryan. Mm. Despite that, couldn't find a number high enough for him not to take the ducks against Arizona. Uh, Oregon was minus 27. Oregon won 35-6. Bang. Easy, easy money. Easy dub. Uh, outstanding. 2-1 and one in the FBS. 1-1 one one in the FCS nationally. 3-4 and four in the big sky. And uh, that makes me 500 on the weekend, if I'm counting it all up correctly. I feel very, very good about that. David, thank you very much. We welcome in... Coulter Nuanas to do some Big Sky Conference picks against the spread. Uh, all odds, courtesy of BetNow.eu. Uh, listen, we're going to spend a fair amount, of, fair amount of time talking about the Montana-Montana State game and a little bit about UC Davis-Sacramento State. The other five games in here, one of them is not that important or not not that interesting because it's not going to be close, even though it's an important game with the Weber State-Iowa State. The other games are just almost inconsequential. So we will go through these. We'll do our best for you. But let's just get to the heart of it. You know what I mean? Uh, does that sound good, Coulter? Sounds amazing. That? Okay, let's do it. Cal Poly, Northern Colorado. Three conference wins between them. I can't believe how bad Cal Poly has been in terms of just not getting the win. That, that They have the lowest number of wins won in the conference is surprising to me. That said, they're a favorite on the road at Northern Colorado. Northern Colorado, bad. Cal Poly only lost by one last week. It is the home closer, though, for Jacob Nipp and the Northern Colorado Bears. I'm going to go with Northern, Northern Colorado. Northern Colorado's bad against the run. Cal Poly does nothing but run. I think Tim Walsh is the better coach in this game. I got Cal Poly to win. And uh, what's the over-under? What's the number? 56.5, the total. I'm going over that total, Coulter. 56.5? Yeah, I'm going over that total as well. Both teams running everywhere. I like I like them to go over it. Pluto Television Channel 541. Southern Utah. Here's the thing. You have a super negative opinion of Southern Utah because you play. You saw a bad team, and they are bad, play their worst game. And that yeah. is a really – that's tough uh, against Montana State. But nonetheless, Southern Utah, a terrible team. On the road at North Dakota, the Fighting Hawks, good. The Fighting Hawks, if they have they have an outside chance of making the playoffs, they got no chance if they don't win this game. They're going to win this game in Grand Forks. It's a 12-point number. They're favored by 12. I think North Dakota is going to do everything they can to try and send a statement. And Southern Utah, even though they did get a win last week at NAU, I think they don't have a whole lot to play for in this one. I got North Dakota, lay the 12, covering, uh, covering up that 12-point spread against the Thunderbirds. I mean, like Idaho State is bad, but they still have Cody Graves on defense, Mitch Guller, and Mikey Dean on offense. Northern Colorado's bad. They still have an NFL-caliber quarterback and a first-team all-league-caliber cornerback in Michael Walker. Like Southern Utah has no good players. They don't have any good players. There was no player where I was like, man, that guy's an all-league talent. Right. None. Zero. Even like teams that have gone straight over, you have the one guy who like stands up. I mean, think about how bad NEU is. And they still they have a guy who might go play in the NFL in Case Cookus. I mean... Southern Utah has no good players. They have no chance in this game. North North Dakota to win. North Dakota, the over. You're taking the over? I actually am going to go under on this. North Dakota's got a good defense, and Southern Utah I don't think is going to score. So I think 62.5 is not a huge number, but it's going to be tough for one team to have to carry 75% of, if not more, to get there. So I'll take the under on that. That game, uh, mid-Co, mid-Colorado, Pluto Television uh, as well, Channel 455. 
Idaho at Northern Arizona. Coulter, this is such an interesting matchup in a lot of ways because I don't think either of these two teams are going to win this game. I think one of these two teams teams is just going to completely implode. They've been doing it all year. Northern Arizona on defense all season has been atrocious, and Idaho has been good at times and bad at times. Nobody's been a bigger roller coaster in terms of playing well and then playing poorly than the Vandals. The Vandals are a three-point underdog on the road at NAU, bad as Northern Arizona's been on the road. Here's what I think. I think that Idaho gets really upset when they can't score and when it goes bad offensively. I don't think it's going to go bad offensively for them. Why? Because Duffer goes bad for anybody playing Northern Arizona offensively. So I think Idaho actually could cover this number crazy as it is. I'm going to take the Vandals to cover the three-point spread in the game in the finale of the year. 40 points per game is what NU's given up. That said, I think they'll give up points. I think Case Cookers will score more. I think that uh, matchup-wise, Idaho plays a lot of match-to-match coverage. Northern Arizona's pass game is the best in the country in terms of statistical averages. They're averaging 350 passing yards per game. They have multiple receivers that are flirting with 1,000-yard seasons. Case Curry's last game in the walk-up Skydome. Bombs over Baghdad. Northern Arizona. Total of this is, what would you put it at? 70. It's at 67. I'm taking the over on that. Yeah, lock of the week. Okay. <laughs> My lock of the week is actually in this game. Portland State at Eastern Washington. By the way, the NAU-Idaho game, Pluto Television, Channel 539, and CW Phoenix, as well as NAU TV. Portland State is at Eastern Washington. Eastern Washington, shockingly, amazingly, miraculously, is actually uh, mathematically still alive for a share of the Big Sky Conference Championship. They are 5-2 and two in Big Sky play. They have played... A very easy schedule by uh, anybody's standards, but nonetheless, they're five and two. They got the one point win uh, over Cal Poly last week. Was a forty three forty two, I think, in that football game. Uh, but they are there at home against Portland State. They're a fourteen point favorite. That is crazy to me, Coulter. Eastern Washington lost to Idaho in a non conference game, which is why they are still alive for the conference championship, and they have they have not beaten anybody and anybody that played that they've that's good. They've lost to. And they've squeaked by against some teams that are not good. Portland State, meanwhile, is one game under 500, three and four in the conference. They have quite a bit of talent on this team, are playing really well. And this is a rivalry game that plays nothing but close games, it seems. 14 points. This is my lock of the week. I got Portland State. I don't know if they're going to win or not, but they are, they're going to cover two touchdowns. Totally agree. Portland State's played well in this rivalry game, even when we, Eastern's been stacked. They played well in recent years. Bruce Barnum's played well. Uh, Bruce Barnum has been a good coach in this game. Honestly, I think Portland State is better than Eastern Washington in a lot of different ways. I think that uh, Eric Berrier has quietly had an absolutely awesome season. He's only he's mm-hmm. 28 touchdowns on four picks. I mean, he's thrown for over 325 yards a game. Eastern just got behind the eight ball so early on. They've won four out of five, but they were two and four. I mean, so they're they're almost they're basically out of it, and so then as soon as they stubbed their toe one more time when they lost to Montana, it was just kind of over for them. I mean, maybe 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 they sneak in. The strength of schedule is just not there, though. But Portland State is actually good on the defensive line. They're I mean they're they're good on defense. They haven't statistically performed exceptionally well on defense, but they are pretty good. They I should say they're talented on defense. I got Portland State to cover. I, to me, this is a coin flip game in terms of who's going to win it. Yeah. But a fourteen point spread is dumb. I think that. The odds makers just haven't been paying attention to the rivalry. This rival, this has been a one-score game almost every year, Total. except for last year. Guess what? Eastern Washington hung seventy-two on Portland State, and I know for a fact, I know for a fact that Bruce Barnum was pissed. Yeah, that Eastern rung it up, ran it up on him like that, and so 
Portland State's going to have something extra special for Eastern Washington, so I got Portland State to cover. Well, if Eastern Washington wins 72 to nothing, they will push the total because 72 <laughs> is the over-under on this I still got game. the over, man. Got the over, too. Uh, I mean, Eastern Washington's averaging 52 points per game over the last five. Uh, yeah, they are against bad teams, but nonetheless. I mean, she's going to be scoring 66 points. Anything he's bad, whatever, you score 66 points in a game. That's a lot of points. Yes, it is. Uh, Pluto Television Channel 534 and SWX Washington. Idaho State, Weber State. This is the biggest spread, even though this is a game that matters, especially for Weber State. If they win it, they will share at least the Big Sky Conference Championship and even have a, a, a chance to uh, win it outright if Montana and Sac State were both to lose. Weber State is a 20.5-point favorite over Idaho State. Idaho State has absolutely just – the plane has crashed into the mountain, man. It's just so bad for Idaho State right now. Uh, and it's disappointing after they had looked like they had taken a step in the right direction last year. They have absolutely regressed. That said, Weber State, a bunch of guys hurt, okay? Starting running back, starting number one wide receiver, number two wide receiver and best kick returner in the country, Rashid Shahid, all of them out. And I, I think probably questionable at best to play Rashid Shahid, I think almost certainly not playing in this game. So the only question is the total, which of course is the point here against the spread. I'm actually taking Idaho State for that reason, to cover the 20 and a half points. Weber State's going to win this game, but I could see him winning it by 17 and not getting out to, to – I would feel much better if this was 21 points instead of 20 and a half, but uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll take Idaho State to cover that just because Weber State is in such a, uh, a tough spot physically, and as soon as they're able, I think, to get guys out of the game, I think they're going to try and do that. Kevin Smith is a more than adequate backup to Josh Davis, the star running back whose status is uncertain. Jake Constantine did practice this week, and by all reports, he will be the starter at quarterback for Weber State. Justin Malone, the tight end, is out, tore his knee against Montana. Devin Cooley, concussion protocol, so he's a game-time decision, but he's their best receiver. But I do think they have adequate depth. Uh, The McPherson kid's been really good at wide receiver, and so I think that they don't lose much there. Rashid Shahid's impossible to win place because he's the best kick returner in the country. But... They've been without him for pretty much four games already this year. And the fact of the matter is Idaho State can't do anything right now. Weaver's defensive line is still fully flushed and healthy. Uh, and Idaho State's run defense sucks, and Weaver's still going to be able to run the ball. So I, I got Weaver State to cover this thing. I think, I mean, it's funny because this is a rivalry, quote-unquote, because Ogden and Pocatello are three hours apart, maybe not even that. And... I think Idaho State's won four times in this rivalry in the last 35 years. It's not a rivalry. They just play each other at the end of the year every year. Weaver, Weaver has destroyed Idaho State most of the time over the last three decades, and I think that will continue. And even though I don't think Idaho State has much of a chance to score, I'm still going to take the over because I think that Weaver's going to try to get as right as possible, bounce back from that embarrassing win or the embarrassing loss at Montana last week. I got Weaver State. I got the over. UC Davis and Sac State, huge game for Sac State. They win it again. They're a conference champion, a part of it. I think they've been the best team in the big sky this entire year in total, taken in total. They're a nine-and-a-half-point favorite over UC Davis. I thought UC Davis sort of – I think UC Davis just sort of – it fell off the rails and they were never really able to get right. This game is impactful for Sacramento State, and Kevin Thompson is back. I like Sacramento State. I will lay the nine-and-a-half. I got Sac State winning this game by, by a couple scores or more. 
Yeah, it's interesting because I think that Davis is going to let it all hang out, and I think that they don't really have much left to play for, but this is the 67th rendition of this rivalry, and uh, there's a lot of pride on the line. I mean, Davis has thoroughly dominated this rivalry throughout the history of it, dating back to 1954. Uh, I think that would be a factor in the motivation for Sac State, but I also think that UC Davis's secondary, they just didn't look good last week against Montana State, and that's not a good sign because Montana State is not Sac State when it comes to throwing the football, so that's a bad mismatch. I also think that the number one formula that has emerged for slowing down Davis's offense is getting after Jake Mayer, and Sac State has that formula down pat. They lead the country with 41 sacks. George Obina leads the country individually with 13 and a half sacks. I got Sac State uh, to cover. Um, I think it's, I'm going to take the over because I do think that Jake Mayer is going to get that offense churning. I'm going to go. I'm going to agree with you on the uh, over on that 161 points. Probably too low. They're going to clear that thing. Finally, Coulter, uh, the game of the week in the Big Sky Conference is also the game of the week uh, in the country, and that is the Cackers game. Montana at Montana State, this game in Bozeman, noon Saturday, uh, Root Sports Television game of the week on this one. And uh, Coulter, the Montana – first of all, let me say this because I said we would get into this. Montana, you and I were at the game Saturday because Bozeman was on the road. And we watched them do what they did. I went back and rewatched a portion of that game on television. Now, Root Sports does a great job in their production of television. I mean, they're, they're, they do the Mariners, the Seattle Mariners, so they're doing professional-level stuff as well. But they do professional-level stuff when they do the Big Sky Conference. I mean, I really think uh, I, I put what Root does up against whoever's got the Mountain West contract and, frankly, even against whoever's got the Pac-12. I mean, the Pac-12 network does not do to me as good a job as Root Sports does. The production value, what it takes to do a game well, when you're talking about television, is, I mean, just people don't appreciate, Coulter, the amount of of human power, time, energy, equipment, skill that it takes to do a live sporting event for television well, okay? Uh, it's, it's just hugely complicated. Root Sports does it really well. That said... There is a floor that you have to be able to get to in order to just even be competent and do it well, and 11 sports last week did not even get to that level. I mean, the game that the that Montana State had at UC Davis was so poorly produced, poorly fed on whether it's an internet deal or whatever, was not even available in the state of Montana on television for kickoff and for the first portion of the game. And then when it was there, you had like buffering issues while you're like you're pirating a signal or something like that. I mean, that's what it felt like trying to watch this game, not to mention the failing of even just tracking the ball, zooming in too much. I mean, very amateur mistakes that are day one, like this is how you learn to do it. And for them to have a contract from the Big Sky Conference and then for that to be the product of it is, I mean, it's beyond disappointing. It's unacceptable. And it also, Coulter, and this is what frustrates me, it influences what people think about teams. Montana State oh, yeah. didn't allow a first down for the last 17 minutes and change against UC Davis on the road. They played an absolutely outstanding game. Troy Anderson got hurt in the first half of that game and his shoulder got hurt in the second half of that game and his ankle was never even referenced. I don't know that anybody even is aware of who this guy is in relationship to what he means to the conference and his own team, not to mention anybody else. These are people who clearly don't cover the Big Sky Conference. They just show up to do this individual game. And look, that's okay. You got to get your talent where you got to get your talent. 
The point is, though, the Big Sky Conference cannot present themselves in this way. And it makes it look like you're watching an average high school game as opposed to one of the elite teams in the nation in the Montana State Bobcats play football. And you know what? It makes them look not good. It makes them, it makes the viewer feel like they're not actually that good a football team because of the way the thing is coming across. And I find that crazy. And look, I understand Tom Wistersill is a guy you and I like a lot. We think he's doing, you know, here the early returns are very good to for for us for him in terms of being the commissioner of the Big Sky Conference. He inherited this contract. I don't know how even long this contract goes, but this this can't happen. And and Big Big Sky has to move on from this. I mean, they just have to get out of that. And 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 I don't know how that happens. I don't know all the parts of it, and I know that it's really hard to do. So I I don't know exactly what an answer is, but that can't be. That can't be out there. That can't be the way that these things are put across. And I don't care if it's Southern Utah NAU. I don't care if it's you know Northern Northern Colorado and and you know Dixie State. That that it's it's just it's just a bad look. Anyway, there's my rant for you. And uh, and I think that people like are more prone right now to be into Montana and what Montana is doing, and for good reason, by the way. They were hammering Weber State, which we'll get to. But as as much as for nothing else, they could actually see what was going on and had competent people, in fact, professional people, doing the game as opposed to not. From a commentating standpoint, great and coincidental news: John Oglesby and James Cowser will be doing the last eleven sports game of the week. That's good in the Big Sky Conference. We know Oglesby; he was the communications director for the Big Sky for several years. He's, and Oglesby's done like the Big Sky. He'll sit down and do like eight games in a row. Oh, he did the whole the Big, Big Sky, Sky Conference tournament besides basketball. the championship. No, game. Oglesby's very good, and, and it, he'll be prepared. He knows the league. He's a he's a pro. And James Cowser, former Southern Utah All American, and then recently just retired with the Raiders. He mm-hmm. it was a phenomenal interview as a player. He was one of my favorite guys to talk to. For from Southern Utah, and and he'll talk. have great standing with the people who totally. Watch. And yes. talking to John, he said he's a very very talented broadcaster as well, mm-hmm. and that he has a, a bright future in it. I actually think, if I remember correctly, I think he got his degree in some sort of journalism or communications or media arts or something like that. So it's not as if he's just a figurehead who's a great player. He mm-hmm. also has some chops when it comes to that stuff. So that's a good step. Now they just got to figure out the production portion of it. I agree. I would also like to say this. I would also like to use this to just give a tip of the cap because I think sometimes the returns and what people's opinions are mixed on what SWX does when it comes to the production of some of these games. Again, the it, it is not easy to do, okay? So to criticize an entity for not doing it well is you, you have to appreciate what it is to do it well. But SWX, man, for a state that has a million people in it and what they do and what they bring to you and then you see what happens at a different place that is trying to do the same thing, and it is not even close. Tip of the cap to SWX. I mean, they, they I really they really do a, a, an outstanding job, and they punch above their weight class when it comes to really all facets of this stuff. And I realize, you know, sometimes it's not always there. I get that. It's hard to do, and they do it really well given the resources that they're trying to that they're they're working with, and uh, you know the place that they're trying to do this thing in in a, in a huge and rural state like Montana. So, totally. uh, so t- tip of the cap to them. Uh, Coulter, Montana, Montana State game of well for us, it's the dang game of the year every single year. You don't even have to tell me what the records are, or anything else. But for the second time in the history of this rivalry, these two teams are in the top ten. In fact, in the top eight. The third-ranked Montana Grizzlies going to the eighth-ranked Montana State Bobcats. Montana is a five-point favorite. I think that number is a good number. I think it's a credible number uh, for this game. The Grizzlies, again, I mean, I, I, 
I really thought that this streak was going to end last week, and it didn't even come close. They have not played a game less than two scores. Have not played a single football game. They're eight and two. Excuse me, they're nine and two uh, on the season, and including the two losses to Oregon and Sacramento State, and in all nine of the wins, they have been effectively blowouts. Blowouts. And since that Sacramento State loss, that's really good news for a Grizzly team that was absolutely physically monstrous on Saturday, dominant against a team that prides itself on being the physically imposing team in Weber State. They got smacked and smacked and smacked again. Several guys smacked right out of the game, which, you know, like the Rashid Shahid thing, his own player rolled up on him. That wasn't, you know, but Montana, they were the aggressor. They were ferocious and they, they were there to make a statement to me. Uh, to Weber State about exactly what and who they are. And they th- it was loud and clear what happened on Saturday. And and so they should be, I think, favored in this game because of the way they've won. They have the better resume, too. They've had the tougher schedule. They have, by one game, the better record. So they should be favored in this game. Montana State, Colter, you t- since the bye week, this defense has not allowed more than 17 points in a game. We're talking about FCS, specifically Big Sky College football. 17 points in a quarter is actually more normal than not at some point in any one of these games. To go four games, one of which was a loss, okay, to North Dakota, but to not allow more than 17 points is crazy. I mean, say what you want about Southern Utah, that's probably the outlier because they were a bad team that played maybe their worst game. So that's really bad. North Colorado has... One of the better quarterbacks in the conference. UC Davis has the guy who was the best quarterback in the conference a year ago and an and all-conference, all-American type of player on his senior day. And they stuffed him and the UC Davis Aggies on the road. I mean, this is this is impressive as it gets. And to lead the conference, lead the conference, which includes Cal Poly in rushing the ball, even though they're insisting for whatever reason they're also going to throw the ball 25 times a game, which to me is laughable, but, uh, you know, who am I? It's remarkable what this team has done and where they are at at this point in the season. And they're going to the playoffs, and congratulations to them. They punched their ticket for that last week. And now this game is about so much more than the playoffs, man. It's about bragging rights, obviously, but it's about a monkey on the back of Montana that is now three years old in trying to win this game, which they have not. It's an undefeated Jeff Choate in the rivalry. And it is about Montana State attempting to turn the tables, continue to turn the tables and say, we are the powerhouse in the state, despite what you have always said and thought and believed about yourselves in the Montana Grizzlies. And for the Grizzlies, it's an opportunity to cement a nationally elite season and ensure ensure yourself a bye in the first round of the playoffs, which given the hobbled situation of Dalton Sneed and who knows what's going to happen from a physical standpoint with everybody on the field on Saturday in, in the Cat Grizz game is hugely important to have that bye right now. Uh, but also, I was really thinking about this, Coulter, and – if you consider what winning this game would mean for Montana, it would be it would be the exclamation point on a momentum season of dominance, momentous season of dominance. And if they lose it, they're going to the playoffs. But they a may not have a week off, and b will be, likely won't have a week off, and and b will be entering the playoffs 
in the most despondent and and mentally insecure state that they will have been in for for sure in the duration of Bobby Houck's return and maybe in the last five years. And that is a bad place to be in going into a playoff game, great as this team has been, and they have been great this season. So this game is this game is wonderful. It's beautiful. It is ferocious. It's fun. I can't wait for noon Saturday uh, to be front and center for this whole thing. But Coulter, the Montana Grizzlies, they're a five-point favorite. I know you have policy, Skyline Sports. You do not pick this game as such until uh, uh, Friday, until 24 hours before the game. Or maybe not at all. I will pick the game right here and right now, but I want to hear you first just tell me, here's why Montana will win the game. Here's why Montana State will win the game. Well, you broke down a lot of it. It's the the first time. First time to – Ranked Bobcat Grizzly teams that are ranked in the top 10 will play each other since 2011. Second time ever. First time in the history of the rivalry. Both these teams enter the rivalry with eight wins already each. Uh, it's, it's a huge game no matter which way you splice it. I wonder if there's less pressure on the game because both teams are going to the playoffs no matter what. It has not been the scenario. There's been times when the winner goes to the playoffs almost always the last 20 years. But... Sometimes then that winner was already going to the playoffs when it was the Grizz, and if the Cats would have won that game, they probably wouldn't have gone to the playoffs. But either way, in a- terms a- of answer, of- answer me this question though on that very point, because objectively from the outside there is less pressure on this game yes. than there normally is. No, th- like that's a fact. Yep. But I also think that I think that our perception, and when I say our, I mean everyone who isn't directly involved in the game as a player or coach of pressure or what a game feels like or means or what a week is building up to it is utterly different all the time from what it actually is for the team. You know, I I, I don't think, let's put it like this. You always talk to me about how LeBron James is going to be in the best shape of his life. Let me say it like this. You think he's going to be in better shape this year than he's ever been before. And I say that's insane because he's only ever been in perfect shape. You can't be in more than perfect shape. I don't know if you can have more than total pressure, more than complete pressure, but that's what this game feels like every year to me, and I wonder if just because you're going to the postseason, if you're Montana and you've lost four straight to Jeff Choate, and if you're Jeff Choate and you're 4-0 in the rivalry game, and Bobby Houck's 0-2 against Jeff Choate at that point, like the fact that you're going to the postseason is sort of secondary to all of that stuff, and it's crazy. It's crazy, dude. It's totally crazy. I mean... Montana State came to Montana in 2014 and got lambasted, got their asses kicked. Yes. Jake Bleskin threw five picks. That Bobcat team still went to the playoffs. They gave a rising South Dakota State team led by Zach Zenner, who is still in the NFL to this day, a run and lost by six points in Bozeman. South South Dakota State. South Dakota State. Yeah. And that set the stage for then the – I mean, they lost those two games and then they lost – they went five and six the next season, and Rob Ash is fired. Even though in 2014 they made the playoffs for the fourth time in five years, but losing to the Grizz back to back years, final nail in the coffin for Coach Ash. And I think that from that perspective, too much of a priority has been put on this game. Mm-hmm. But I also, in a lot of ways, understand why. As far as the actual matchup we are about to watch on Saturday, I think that the Grizz have had a rebirth in terms of the effort that they play with. I think people didn't really realize what Montana was missing until they see what they have now. 
I think Bobby Houck has been brilliant in his implementation of a whole bunch of young talent on the on the defensive front seven. Yep. Not giving guys too much responsibility. Just get in the game and go as hard as you can. Play. And don't look now, but there's a bunch of guys who would not be burning a red shirt if they play in this game for Montana. Jacob McGoring is mm-hmm. one of those guys for sure. Uh, but, I mean, the, the addition of Alex Gubner and the emergence of Patrick O'Connell and the emergence until he got what looked like seriously hurt last week in Milton Mamula and – you know, up and down the line, they just have had such pleasant surprises with their young players, and those guys have been playing really hard, and that's made a huge difference for Montana, both in stopping the run and getting after the passer. Now, as far as the way that this specific matchup goes, I think Montana State still has an advantage on the fronts. I think that the Grizz offensive line is much better, yet they're not elite. And I think that Montana State's defensive line is elite, and if they play at their top level, if they if all five of the guys that are their primary defensive linemen, Amandre Williams, Chase Benson, Derek Marks, and Jason Skrepos on the inside, Bryce Sturk at the end, if all five of those guys play their best game, I still think, that even though they've been one of the best defensive fronts in the conference, I think they're the most talented defensive line in the country. I mean, they got three Pac-12 guys among those dudes, and then you have Chase Benson, who was one of the gems of Montana, coming out of Helena High School, a guy that could have gone and walked on to the University of Washington, but he's yeah. dead. He stays here because Jeff Choke comes to Montana State. And they got Derek Marks, who's the most savvy player maybe in this game, a guy that's gotten not just gotten by, who has been an absolutely productive player as an interior defensive lineman, despite the fact that he's about 6'1", 250 pounds. And so I think that those guys, they have a real chance to have an advantage in that game, stop the run, make Montana one-dimensional, get after Dalton Sneed, how much – mobility does Dalton Sneed have given the injury situation? How much is not having Sammy Kim, which is likely going to be the case on Saturday, hurt Montana? The last couple weeks, last three weeks, in fact, Eastern Washington, Idaho, and Weber State, they all play a ton of man coverage. They all play a ton of cover zero. They all, for whatever reason, decided to key on Jerry Louis McGee. I'm not saying that he shouldn't get keyed on, but they decided to let the mismatch fall to Samari Torre. Which has, been, which has been dumb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the last two weeks, Samari Torre has like 400 yards receiving. Um, he is killing people. I mean, we were sitting in the press box, and the middle of the field was wide open. They had nobody over the top. They, You knew that he was going to get to the middle of the field and then just outrun people at the end zone, and that's exactly what happened. 193 yards, career high, three touchdowns, career high. Montana State's not going to do that. Montana State, you know, they haven't had Munchie Filer all year, but he does have a chance to play in this game and still preserve his redshirt because he has not played in four games yet either. He's an all-league type corner. But even without him, their DBs, they've done such a good job of mixing covers. They play all sorts of combo covers. They play all sorts of uh, trying to shield it and and make you confused pre-snap. And so Torrey's not going to have as easy a time as he has the last couple weeks, but I still think that's a definitive advantage for Montana. Mm-hmm. My three matchups in this game that I'm watching is that exact one, that Montana's receivers and the guys on the perimeter versus Montana State's secondary. The battle in the trenches, both sides of the ball, both sides of the line of scrimmage. I think Montana State has a slight edge on both sides, but I do think Montana's improvements will make it so that – I mean, last couple of years, Montana State has just enforced their just will. Just overrun, yes. And, that uh, won't happen. That, I don't think that's going to yeah. happen. I think Montana is a lot better on both fronts. That said, I still think Montana State has a little bit of an edge there. Um and then the third matchup I have is just Montana State's really diverse run game with, as you said, 19 running backs. They really have had 18 different ball carriers so far this year. So they come at you in waves. The offensive line is really good. 
but they have a ton of different playmakers that can get the ball in a variety of ways. Kevin Cassis, a wide receiver, is going to take quarterback snaps. Travis Johnson, a wide receiver, is going to take quarterback snaps. Troy Anderson, a linebacker, running back, quarterback, everything is going to take quarterback snaps. So is Tucker Rovig. Shoot, Calhan O'Reilly might as well in this game. Who knows? I mean, he's a linebacker, but he played quarterback in high school. But they're going to come at you in waves with the running backs, too. Isaiah Infante returned last week. He's he's their starter all year, but he has not been playing much this season because of injury. Logan Jones has been one of the breakout stars in the Big Sky Conference. Lane Sumner has been a pleasant surprise, a former partial scholarship guy from Huntley Project who's risen to the occasion. Is Coy Steele available? Coy yeah. Steele is available. Okay. Coy Steele is a guy that it can hurt you with the jet sweeps, the fly sweeps, bubble screens out of the slot, slants out of the slot. And he's a guy that is a guy who's hurt teams that have lost him. Exactly. You know, he's a guy that you maybe don't key on, and that's exactly when he's there to burn you. Totally. But that whole diverse rushing attack against the best rush defense in the league statistically, and namely the two linebackers, Dante Olsen and Jace Lewis, have combined for, do the math, and 237 tackles this year. That's a ridiculous about between two guys. 11 games into a season. And Olsen, I, in my mind, is going to be an NFL draft pick and is going to not only compete for a roster spot, but is going to compete for playing time day one in the NFL. I think he's that good. I, I really was thinking about the other night. Montana's had so many great linebackers over the last 15 years, whether you know, you're talking about Tyler Joyce and Kyle Ryan and Lauren Utterback and Shane McIntyre, or you're talking about Brandon Fisher and, and Sean Lebsock, or you're talking about Caleb McSurdy, and J.P. Canangata, Jordy Tripp, Brock Coyle, multiple guys that have gone to the league, gotten drafted into the league. I think Olsen's the best, man. I think he, I think he's the one that can do the most. Mm-hmm. And I think he proves it in the scheme that they run and what, the way they put him in a position, but also the way he puts himself in a position, too. Yeah. And I, so I, I just think that is just iron versus iron. I mean, yes. you're talking about the most bruising and diverse run game in the league versus the best run-stopping duo in the league. That's going to be a fascinating matchup to watch as well. So the Montana Grizzlies win if they exploit their matchups on the perimeter. Dalton Sneed can stay out of duress and stay upright. They don't make too many mistakes. They handle the atmosphere in Bozeman, and they slow down Montana State's run game. Montana State wins if they run the ball with authority like they have the last three Cat Grizz games and like they have against, quite frankly, almost everybody in the Big Sky Conference the last three years. If they can get true production out of Troy Anderson, as he is, he has been really, really banged up. And if they can contain those Montana receivers, they just can't let Torrey and Jerry Lou McGee get loose. You, you just can't do it. You can't give up those big plays because Montana, as we know, the style that they play on both sides of the ball is just so predicated on momentum. And when exciting players make big plays in big games, it can spark that momentum and it can carry all the way to victory. Taken as a whole, these two teams are very different but they're very even in terms of their total skill, ability, all that. Yep. In a game like this, I don't think almost anything that's happened before in the course of the season, outside of injury stuff, which they're actually kind of equitable in as well, oddly enough, uh, matters. This one day matters just on this one day. What does matter, though, is something like Fury – Montana, I think, is embarrassed that they've lost three in a row to Montana State. The way that they lost last year was perhaps the most stinging and resounding loss in the history of this rivalry. 
<laughs> Except for maybe two years earlier when a terrible cat team completed two, two passes, passes and one in Washington Grizzly Stadium. That was also something else. I mean, Chris Murray just threw a, a ball to the clouds for the one Game winning long score. pass. Yeah. It wasn't even the score, just so they could take it down, down on yeah. the two and kneel it. Amazing. The last three years have been an incredible arc well, in the narrative. It's going to be the, incredible of, this, of the rivalry every year. But I think that Montana. <laughs> Again, this is sort of outside. It's obvious enough that the Grizzlies are going to have plenty of angst, and I mean that in the best way when it comes to fuel uh, or, or motivation to play in this game. What you can't estimate on the side of Montana State is what the history of the program has been and people sort of insinuating that you are a step behind Montana in a lot of respects. And wanting to go for these seniors. Oh, oh, really? Is that why we never lost to you? Not one time? What that would mean? And also, when you talk about this fifth-year senior class of Montana kids, I just don't think any of that stuff matters. Like I said before about LeBron James' you know, physical endurance or whatever, it's 100%. It can't be more when it's all the way, when it's total, when it's complete. There isn't another level for it to get to. And for for the core of this Montana State team, in fact, for the core of both teams, I think that's just what you deal with in this game every year. And so that additional stuff matters a little bit, but not enough to be to be important, I think. That said... Montana has had the harder road, and they have played better than Montana State has this last month in total. And also, I think that I think that the fury that Montana will play with on Saturday, will, it, this game to me, ultimately, and this is sort of cliche to say, but I really think it's true here, the more physical team is going to win this game, period, end of story. Whoever is more physical, whoever is able to assert themselves and assert their will is going to win this football game, and I think that's going to be Montana. At least I do right now. <laughs> when we get to Bozeman Coulter, my feelings on that could change radically. But today, lay the points, minus five. I think the, Again, I think the number is a good number, five points. The total is 54. I go over the total. Do you want to do an over-under? Would you like to pick the total here? On, uh, I'll pick the total, sure. 54 points, not a high number. Both these defenses really good, but the Grizzly offense is outstanding, and the Montana running game is elite. I do think there's going to be points scored in this football game. It's going to be a nice day on Saturday at uh, Bobcat Stadium. I got the over. Man, it's a tough over-under, honestly, because the Cats have this identity as a run-first team that also plays hard defense, but they score a lot of points. Yeah, they do. They, they can, anyway. Yeah. I, I mean, they have scored with the I mean, the North Dakota State game was a stinker. But even if they put up 27 points, I mean, they're halfway home. They, they scored 27 against UC Davis last week. I mean, they're weekend. averaging 33 points per game. Right. Their and Montana's averaging 40. I mean, their total, Montana State's totals so far this year have been 49 34, and then they had the lull 21 12 in their two losses, but then 42 45 and 27. So they've scored at least 34 and more than 40 in four. Four of their Big Sky Conference victories, so they have they put up points. Montana's put up a ton, a ton of points. Yep. So far this season, 
This cut that said, this often this has game, a tendency to be a little lower scoring exactly, than the norm. Exactly, yes. because you know neither team's going to run a ton of tempo. They're not going to try to – I mean, maybe Montana will. I mean, because that's kind of Montana's style right now. I mean, they trust Dalton State so much that well, and I've, he's I've, the fast-break point guard. They want to go quick. They've they've done a great job, too, of varying their tempo. They'll come out and they'll huddle it up and do everything, but then when they feel like they got to step on somebody or they have personnel on the defensive side that they think they can exploit, exploit – it's hammer time, and they go real fast. And I, there's going to be some stretches in this game where Montana is going breakneck speed. Um, but I, but this game in general, I think, will be a slower paced game than than the norm, at least for Montana, especially because they they do like to play quick. I think that the smart bet would be the under. Boys and girls, this game again available Root Sports Television. It's the game of the week there, noon, high noon, Mountain Standard Time from Bozeman. Can't wait. It is time now. For four questions. We got a couple of great guests here today to talk about games uh, on the national level in the FCS outside of the Big uh, Big Sky Conference. First of all, a huge, huge game between two top 25 teams down in southeast Louisiana. Southeast Louisiana hosts, hosts Nichols in the Riverbell Classic. Mike Geigenheimer going to join us there. And then North Dakota State at Southern Illinois, our good buddy Sam Herter making uh, another appearance on the pod. So we appreciate it. It's four questions. The four questions are... What is uh, what do we need to know about the football team that you cover this season? What do we need to know about the style of football they play, a.k.a. what is their coaching style? Thirdly, how does the team you cover match up with the particular opponent that they have this forthcoming weekend? And lastly, what do we need to know? You know, it's a betting co- podcast, after all, about uh, things that are going on, whether it's weather, whether it's suspensions, whether it's injuries, etc., that might influence the way that this game might ultimately play out. Here you go. Four questions. If you're not familiar at all with Nichols, the, the big thing to know about them is this has been a historically pretty awful program uh really up until tim rebo the current head coach got there in 2015 uh 2014 they actually were probably the worst team in the country uh they were 0 and 12 just absolutely demoralized the coach left mid-season tim rebo came in um right after the season and just rebuilt the entire thing and they, they won a couple games this first year won a couple more the next and then they made the playoffs uh, in 2017, and then they went back and won a, a Southland Conference championship last year. And so now they're, they're looking for the third straight appearance in the playoffs and uh, a back-to-back conference championship, or at least a share. We can get into that a little later with how that, uh, that all works. Um, but they, they're looking to, to do that for the first time in school history. And the, the way that the, this program has really turned it around has just uh, been absolutely great as far as this team is concerned. Um, you know, they came in with some pretty high expectations. Uh, you know, the preseason favorites to win the Southland, they had a lot of returning guys, but they've just really been kind of beat up all year with injuries and just kind of things going wrong. And they haven't quite looked as dominant as a lot of people thought they, they were, but they've still managed to get themselves in a place at the end of the year where a win uh, gives them uh, at least a share of the conference championship and the automatic uh, qualifier for the FCS playoffs. So you really can't argue that much with, um, with those results. So, uh, I mean, this is just a, a huge, huge, huge game, probably the biggest game, uh, at least re- biggest regular season game in, in school history right here. 
Rebo's style, he, he's a defensive guy. He came from uh, Louisiana Lafayette. Um, he's been around Louisiana his, his entire career. He coached at Nichols. His brother played at Nichols um, in, in the past. And, um, and he's uh, not, not going to do a whole lot fancy. You're not going to see a ton of trick plays on offense, uh, defense. They're, they're very aggressive. Um, they're very, very talented, especially up front, uh, defensively. Um, offensively, you're going to see a lot of run. Uh, they're a, pro- a very, very heavy run offense. Um, they're going to run, you know, probably 60% of downs. Um, but they do have the ability to pass. Obviously, uh, Chase Borkate's probably one of the best players and uh, best quarterback in the FCS. I believe he's the active uh, total offense leader for the FCS and, like, fourth in all NCAA divisions. Um, so, I mean, they, they have the ability to throw there. They have some good receivers. But that run game is really where you're going to see them stand out. They like to run uh, a lot of RPOs. Chase has a very, very good run ability. Uh, he's not afraid to get hit. But, uh, you know, their, their running back is probably their deepest spot, uh, or at least it was. Again, those injuries kind of hurt them a bit there um, with uh, Dontrell Taylor who was their senior starter and senior leader, um, kind of being banged up all year and not, never really got going. But uh, Julian Gums, a sophomore, is just a big, big body, and he is able to just absolutely pound teams and um, really move the ball there. So you're going to see a lot of that. And then uh, offensively, you're also going to see uh, Dejon Dixon, um, their big receiver who's back. He, uh, he had missed a few games i think it's what uh like five or six games in the middle of the year with a broken collarbone but he came back last week and had 180 yards uh in his first game back he's just an absolute freak stud a guy who very much has a chance to uh to go to the nfl and so you're going to see them kind of throw the ball a bit to him chase will just you know chuck it up in the air and let dejan go get it um and so that's really what you're going to see if you watch this game out of that nickel side. These teams are in a three-way tie right now, but both sides have the tiebreaker over Central Arkansas. So the winner will get the, the league's automatic qualifier, and if Central Arkansas wins on Saturday, the winner will split a share of the Southland Conference title with them. Uh, this is a huge rivalry game. They play the last game every year. And so you're going to see a lot of, um, a lot of passion in this, in this game. Uh, between both sides, and, and it's a big robbery. The schools are only uh, about an hour and a half apart, so they all know each other. They're all recruiting the same uh, same areas. And uh, I guess the answer you kind of yourself about the, the, this matchup is you're just going to see two teams, and, and it's really going to come down to Ken Nichols perform on the road, which historically they haven't really been able to do uh, consistently, at least. Um, and, and Southeastern with uh, – They've got a really strong passing game with quarterback Virgil Chasen and uh, their new defense under uh, defensive coordinator Lance Gidry, who some people may remember. He was a former coach at McNeese who had uh, some really good defenses the past few years. So, um, I mean, you're just going to see if, if Nichols can execute on the road and, you know, get those guys kind of their big playmakers, you know, cellulation on defense. Uh, Chase, a quarterback, Julian Gums, a running back, if they can get guys like that kind of engaged and not turning over the ball, not making dumb mistakes, which really kind of hurt them toward the middle of the year, especially those turnovers, 
If they can do things like that, then I think that the Colonels definitely have a very strong chance of winning this one. Down here, we, we have a, a pretty big difference in, uh, in temperature and, and climate than y'all have up there. Uh, you know, so the, the weather's really not going to be much of a factor. I don't, I don't believe it's supposed to rain. Maybe in the 60, 65 range. So we, we've, we've been pretty lucky with weather the past couple of weeks, and I would imagine that's a holdout. Um, like we talked, like I mentioned before, uh, there's going to be some question about how healthy guys are, um, uh, especially on offense for Nichols. I know Southeastern has had uh, a few kind of knocks to its defense um, in the secondary in particular with guys being active and everything. And I believe their their offensive line was too. But Nichols is probably as healthy as they have been uh, all season at this point. They they got Dejon Dixon back, who, like I said, you're definitely going to want to watch him if you're watching this game. Um, the, the running backs finally seem to be getting uh, toward a little more healthy. Um, linebacker Alan Pittman's there. Sully Lace, who had back surgery uh, this summer. Um, he's throwing like an absolute stud. He had two sacks and a forced fumble last week with the flu. So uh, that's probably the biggest thing with Nichols right now is being healthy at this point in the season is really going to push him. So, and like you said, just with, uh, with everything kind of on the line, it's just, just such a big game. This is absolutely the biggest game in this rivalry history. And, uh, um, I mean, the, I don't. I don't think that the Southland has ever really seen a a, a true winner take all kind of game like this between two top twenty five teams. They're the biggest rivalry of the year. It's just such a, a huge, huge game. Absolutely the biggest in Nichols history, and I believe probably the, the biggest in Southeastern history as well. I was looking at that spread, and that just seems like a huge, huge number. I, I don't think there's you know an eight point difference in this team. I know. If you look at what these teams are averaging uh, offensively in terms of scoring, um, I believe uh, Southeastern is right at an eight-point um, advantage there. But, I mean, these are, these are two good defenses, two smart teams, and it's just a big robbery game. And I, I just don't see that being the difference, um, you know, who whoever wins. So I, I would definitely take Nichols with with that those eight points there but uh in terms of who wins the game um i mean i i think i, I gotta give it i know you know uh, this is my team that i cover i'm much more familiar with them and everything but you know you really gotta look at Nichols and just say this has been the team to beat over the last couple of years in the southland and you know until someone actually knocks them off uh for good then uh, i think the, the colonels are kind of the, the team to beat here so I, i'm a little surprised with uh, with quite how confident the uh, the odds makers are there, with uh, that eight and a half point favorite to uh, to Southeastern. Our website is uh, Homa Today, H uh, O U M A Today dot com. Um, we'll, we'll have coverage. It's a short week, so we're, we're trying to, to get as much coverage as we can uh, right now. Because um, uh, a reminder for for anyone who wants to see this game is it is it is Thursday at six o'clock central, so uh, not not gonna if you wait until Saturday it's too late. But uh, well, we'll have coverage all week, and then you can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Gag G E G S, um, and, and we'll uh, I'll, I'll be out there today, and hopefully have some updates and some stuff going on. So now uh, I'll definitely be uh, tweeting some from the game there as well. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll have you as covered as we possibly can out here. 
Our thanks to Mike Geigenheimer. We go now to Sam Herter. The Bison are, are rolling right now, and you know, any thought of the Bison maybe you know resting some players because they are eleven and zero. Pretty much have the the number one or number two playoff seed locked up, even with a loss, just because the resume is so good. But I mean, any thought of them resting any starters? Um, I, I don't think it is going to happen. If players can go, I think they can go. The, the players made it clear that they are looking for a 12 and 0 undefeated regular season. So the Bison, you know, pretty much have, have stuff locked up for the playoff picture. But but I don't expect you know NDSU to to rest any of their starters or anything like that. He's, I mean, for the most part, he he hasn't changed a whole lot. And honestly, why would you uh, with a program like this? But but he has. You know, made some changes here or there with with his own style. They they do uh, seem to roll the dice a little bit more, as I've said, you know, on this podcast before. You know, fourth downs, uh, going for on fourth downs, some some two point conversion trickery kind of stuff, some trick plays. They don't do a ton of it. You know, obviously they still, um, you know, they still do their bread and butter of power power run game and you know play action pass and all that good stuff but it does seem like Matt Ent is maybe a little bit more aggressive and you know, a little less conservative compared to Chris Kleiman they match up you know pretty well Southern Illinois their defense has improved quite a bit but it but it still is you know overall the weaker part of their team and you know last year the Bison just racked up points and basically did whatever they wanted to offensively and, and I think we're probably going to see the, the same thing this year I, I don't see you know anything that, that tells me that Southern Illinois, Southern Illinois is going to be able to to stop NDSU's power run game. And on the flip side, the Bison, uh, you know, a lot of people think of the Bison as a smash mouth football team, which is true, but they have pretty good speed as well. And they have, I mean, this last week they they, they played four different safeties on the field at, at a time to defend South Dakota's heavy passing attack. And I think they they have that ability to defense other Illinois who, who likes to spread the ball around uh, and get, get the ball to some athletes in space. And I think NSU matches up with that well because they have some really fast outside linebackers and a number of different safeties that can uh, play in the backfield but also play some, some dime or some nickel package uh, and get down in, inside the box. It is played in Carbondale, but you know, and it's one of those environments that I don't know what kind of crowd it will be. You would imagine Southern Illinois would bring a decent crowd just because if the Salukis do, you know, pull off a massive upset, they are for sure in the playoffs. If they lose, they'll finish the season 7-5 and five with an FBS win, so possibly 50-50 in the playoffs. But I do think the Salukis are, are going to throw everything they have at the Bison, and why not? Uh, like I said, with a win, you're, you're definitely in the playoffs. So I, I, I don't I do think Southern Illinois is gonna do everything they can to get this win. You know, maybe maybe they only put once or twice and they go for it on, on all fourth downs and just on all the fourth downs and you know, just throw everything at the bison. So I think that's one thing to look for is you're gonna see a team with, with absolutely nothing to lose and throwing, you know, the entire playbook at the bison to see if they can knock off the number one team in the country. I like that number for, for NDSU. I think it's gone up quite a bit. it did start at around 17 points, which I thought was way too low, and obviously some money has been coming in on that line to to, to jump it up. But I mean, I, I don't expect any kind of letdown performance for the Bison. It seems like they've had some games in the past where a lot of people pointed to this season, saying, "All right, you know, maybe this team can keep it close," just because it might be a letdown spot for NDSU. But this team has been relatively focused. They've handled business. They've really blown out their their last three opponents. 
And Southern Illinois is a good team, you know, like I said, probably, you know, potentially a playoff team, but the Bison are just on a different level, and I do think the Bison uh, are going to be in control for most of this game and coast to a pretty big win. Well, there you have it. Thank you, Sam, very much. NDSU Southern Illinois. I don't know if it'll be particularly entertaining, but it will be against the number entertaining anyways. And now we welcome back in our buddy David Graff. Hello, David. Outstanding to uh, have you back in, as always. And it's time for us to pick a little bit against uh, these FCS games and then uh, the FBS as well. want to thank those guys again. Thanks to Mike from the Halma Today and Sam Herder from Hero Sports. Shout out to Halma, too. Shout out. Special, special place in my heart. Let me tell you something. I know that it is. I have never been to Louisiana. Did you know that? Yeah, you have mentioned that. So it occupies this this um, space of great curiosity and intrigue for me. And uh, I would like to go, and I would like to go to Halma. Tell the people why Halma is so important to you. Louisiana David. is a lawless land. And Halma in particular is important to me because my first fake ID when I was in high school said I was from Halma, Louisiana. Where did you get the fake ID you're Shout using out now? Foster Stokes. That was my name. <laughs> Still my alter ego. Foster Stokes. <laughs> can't make that up. Well, no, I guess you can. You did. Yes, you did. Uh, okay. Uh, outstanding, David. Thank you uh, for that little insight into your history. Shout out to my boy Foster. Still love me, buddy. All right, so let's get down to these games. Uh, Mike covers Nichols State University, located in uh, southern Louisiana there. And they're at number 21, southeast Louisiana, and they're eight-and-a-half-point underdogs. Mike took Nichols. He said that was far too many points. Yeah, uh, he convinced me. I mean, I, I thought the fact – any time that somebody is surprised by the number right off the bat – I, that, that goes a long way with me, especially when it's a guy who covers them. Look, these two teams, they're in the same conference. They're playing for a conference championship. I realize it's in southeast Louisiana, but, it, you know, the, the crowd to this thing is going to be, you know, not overwhelming anyways. And Nichols is cl- nearby. They should have some good fans there as well, uh, you know, for a game like this. So I don't th- I don't put too much into that. We know, it's, you know, the weather shouldn't be too much of an issue. Uh, no I, hurricanes. I, no hurricanes. That's right. Just, just no hurricanes. I like Nichols as well against the number southeast of Louisiana. Obviously a, a favorite uh, in this game and may well win it. Probably will. But I, I like Nichols uh, with, uh, with that sort of number on it. I, I'll go with Mike on this one. Okay. All right. And then our other game that we had a correspondent from, number one, North Dakota State at Southern Illinois. Uh, North Dakota State is a 20-and-a-half-point favorite. Yeah, I, I understand that North Dakota State isn't elite against the spread. They're good, not great. But I don't care. If North Dakota State is doing something football-wise, I'm picking North Dakota State. So, yeah, 20 and a half, fine, whatever. Like, the numbers are just meaningless when the Bison play because you just, just I mean, it's just, okay, yeah, Southern Illinois, forget it, the Salukis, no North shot. North Dakota State is there, so you're taking North Dakota State. All right, and then our last game at the FCS level, I was hoping to get a correspondent for this, but this guy big-timed us. He knows who he is. Uh, number 14, Wofford at Citadel. Citadel is a six-and-a-half-point underdog. Yeah, I like Wofford here. Citadel jumped up, and who did they beat? Furman uh, was they beat it? Furman, in the, who Wofford beat last in week. In the rivalry game, uh, which way they were huge underdogs in that game, Citadel was. 
but they got they got Furman. I'm still going to take Wofford, though. Uh, I think Wofford, look, they have a long-standing tradition. Anybody that's, uh, you know, watched games in Missoula, Montana, knows that Wofford uh, has uh, won some games. And so a six-and-a-half-point favorite, I think they march into the Citadel on that Trojan horse and get them. You know the terriers. Let them bark them right out of the uh, out of their out of their stronghold. Terriers got some bark. I love it. I love okay. It. All right. Let's move on to the uh, FBS. Why do we go to the FBS? Because bowl games matter. Bowl baby. games matter. Bowl games matter. So we start off with the game with the most bowl implications. Number nine, Penn State at number two, Ohio State. It's the site of ESPN College Game Day. It's on Fox at noon Eastern, 10 a.m. Mountain Time for you. And Ohio State is minus 18. It will also be on 102.9 ESPN Radio on Saturday morning if you are in the uh, western Montana area. Um, This is a tough game for me to pick. Uh, Ohio State's great. I think the number's too big. They're at home, uh, obviously. That's significant. But Penn State, you know, I think probably a little shell-shocked coming off of the loss at Minnesota. That was two weeks ago, right, that they lost to Minnesota. Um, But still, I mean, that really goes a long way to derailing. You're the number four team in the nation. You're sitting there occupying a playoff spot, and and they lose to a Minnesota team that went on to lose last weekend. And so I I think that they – this is an opportunity, though, also for the Nittany Lions to try and prove something. Uh, if they are, you know, if they are good, I'll take Penn State plus the points to cover up eighteen in the horseshoe. All right, all right. Next, next, we got another traditional rivalry in the mold of Montana, Montana State, UCLA at USC minus thirteen. USC is might. USC is minus 13 and a half. This game's on ABC at 1:30 Mountain Time. Um I I don't know what to do with this game uh to be very very frank with you. I I I think that both these teams are of no consequence this season. USC is the better of these two teams, but UCLA is just not any good, and so I don't know, you know, how much that really matters. UCLA is four and three. USC six and two. USC the number twenty three team in the nation. Those aren't their current records. Uh, sorry, in the Pac twelve. In the Pac twelve, I should have qualified that further. My 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 error. Four and six overall for UCLA, uh, and uh, seven and four for USC. This game's at USC. It doesn't matter. Nobody has a home field advantage in the city of Los Angeles when it comes to football. I think USC is going to win this game. The only thing I would offer is this. Even though UCLA got absolutely their pants pulled down last weekend against Utah 49-3, they lost their first three games and were off to an atrocious start. They were down 30 to Washington State in game number four in danger of going 0-4 and maybe Chip Kelly going sayonara. They pull it out of the fire, won that game, unbelievable, 67-63, really the game of the year. I mean, people were not watching this game because it was like 2 a.m. when it was wrapping up in the East Coast, but this was the game of the year. And that really springboarded, and they lost the next two. They have they won, though, the three after that. They've won three of their last four, and they've won four of their last seven, and they're not a good football team. But also, UC USC isn't a great football team either. 
give me UCLA to cover the 13 and a half. I'd feel much better about it if it was at 14 or 14 and a half, though, to be quite honest. That's fair. That's fair. As you learned with BYU, the hook matters. It, it does matter. It can stab you. Uh, all right. Our final game. I will be watching this game with my girlfriend, an Arizona State alum, yes. and her family. Go Sun Devils. They're going to be subjected oh, boy. to a lot of football on Saturday. Does, well, does her family, watch. does your girlfriend's family, like her parents, will they imbibe with you on the weekend? Yes. Okay, that's nice. Yes. It's a so good start. You know, it's not awkward football watching. Yeah. When you're the only one screaming at the television yeah. like a maniac and stumbling into the bathroom. Yeah, Emily didn't. She was mad. I yelled a lot at, when the Arizona State played Oregon State. It's okay. Arizona State went for two and didn't get it, lost the game. No reason to go for two against Oregon State. I digress. Number six, Oregon, is a 14.5-point favorite on the road in Tempe at Arizona State. It's Pac-12 late-ish on ABC at 5.30 Mountain Time. Yeah, amazing that this game made the uh, ABC primetime slot. Uh, Oregon, number six in the nation, Arizona State unranked. 14.5-point favorites. I said last week, though it pained my soul, I'm taking Oregon, uh, and they did cover for me, by the way. This week, on the strength of the synergy of your girlfriend and her family being together to watch the Devils of the Sun, give me Arizona State to cover and lose by two touchdowns on the number (laughs) and give me that half-point hook in my favor this time around. I love it. I love it. The Fighting Hermes. They know how to cover a spread. Herman Edwards, Marvin Lewis. Dynamic and, duo. And if the ghost thought, of James Harden. <laughs> he's still he's still catching bodies in the NBA. Yeah, he is. All right. So let's, at the end there, you got Nichols, plus eight and a half, North, North Dakota State. Laying uh, the points. Minus 20 and a half. Then you got Wofford, minus six and a half. You got U.S. USC's opponent, UCLA, <laughs> plus 13 and a half. Then you took Arizona State, plus 14 and a half. I missed who you took, Penn State, Ohio State. I, I'm taking all dogs. Give me the Penn State right. Nittany Lions. All dogs at the FBS level. All right. David, excellent work as always. Our thanks to our guests. Golter as well, and our thanks to you for being with us on another edition of FCS Speculators. You can find this, uh, well, wherever you get your podcast. I mean, you have found it, so you can share it with your friends. We appreciate that very much. Get the uh, listens up, and we'll keep this thing going right in through the FCS playoffs. So this is not the end by any means. In fact, we're just getting heated up. Are we doing a two-for-one next week? two episodes next week. On a short week heading into Thanksgiving, you are going to ride me into the ground, David. I, I will. Okay. Uh, yeah, looking forward to that. We're going to do the games that are going to be played next weekend, but we're also going to preview, we hope, all of, well, we won't, we don't hope, we will be previewing all, hopefully with guests for all, of the seeded teams that are having buys in the FCS playoffs as well. So going to be a big week on the pod next week. This was a good one, though. Uh, we appreciate you all being with us at Tutel and Nuanas. Uh, nope. Hashtag Tutel and Nuanas on your Twitters and Instagrams at 1029 ESPN. The handle's there at Gus Tutel at Skyline Sports MT and at Colton Nuanas. Those are the relevant social medias to get to us and what we're doing around over here. We appreciate each and every one of you. 
May the odds be ever in your favor. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.